The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Going to the Irish Networks hotline this morning, talking to my guy, Dane Bradshaw, ESPN. When you want to watch somebody, do it the right way. You watch SEC Network. You watch SEC Hoops with Dane Bradshaw, always repping Tennessee, always doing a great job. And it seems like every year, man, just getting better and better and better. Uh, Dane, good morning, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you, Swain. Between you and my parents' feedback, I really feel like I'm on top of the world as an analyst. So I'm sure there's no bias whatsoever. Hey man, we are we are your best hype man and lady. We we're gonna hype you um, like like no one else, my friend. So don't even worry about that, man. We're gonna make you feel like you bigger and better than than freaking the great John Matt. That's how much we love you, man, around here in Knoxville. <laughs> I know you do. I appreciate it. Uh, day first, man. First. Are you a Memphis Grizzlies guy? Are you about that grit and grind life? Because what they're doing over there, man, is remarkable with John Morant. You know, I am. Um, now, if I just – I'd be lying if I said I watched all their games. I tune in every night. But obviously, being from Memphis, I cheer for them. You know, when I grew up as a kid, I was always like, man, I want Memphis to have an NBA team. Please get an NBA team. That was the thing I disliked the most about growing up in Memphis because I loved the NBA and so they, they came in really when I was around in high school and, uh, you know, the, the, the startup kind of deal with Lorenzen Wright, Shane Battier, some of those guys. So it, it was fun. But, you know, it's not like, you know, when, when you're 10, 11 years old, you just obsessed over it. So um, I, I hate that I missed out on that. But I'm thrilled for all the young kids and the fans of Memphis because Memphis is such an awesome basketball town. I mean, it, some, a reporter said, an article recently, you know, across the South, Memphis is kind of the one place in the South that's dominated by football where a sports radio station can survive talking hoops 24-7, and, and the Grizzlies are a big reason for that. For sure, man, for sure. Uh, we got Ben McKee on Zoom. I'm, I'm right here in the studio. And, and, Dane, let me just ask you the question that everybody wants to, to know. Uh, this basketball team is is good. You know, this basketball program has been really good consistently over the last couple of years. It's about getting over that hump. It's about being the best team in the SEC. It's about getting past the first weekend. It's about really going and, and getting to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, Final Four. And right now, offensively, this team does not look good enough to be able to do that. Defensively, one of the best teams in the country. But when when the fans are watching the game, it seems like there's some some confidence that's lacking offensively with some of our players not even taking shots not even playing their game do you see that day uh, yes i do think it's a majority of their issues offensively is mental i think confidence is the key word if you go down that roster and you look at the three-point shooters they got you know, when you just look at it that way, you say, I don't mind that guy taking a shot. I don't mind him taking a shot. The, the issue is uh, I think they've got to get out of their own way a little bit in that some of that mental head trash and have that short memory as a as a shooter. And, and as you know, I mean, like any sport, a team sport, it can be contagious. Mm-hmm. And 
And right now, I think that's part of it. Now, with that said, that the glass half full is certainly, hey, they sh- shot it poorly. They couldn't make a free throw, and they beat an SEC team by 20 points. You know, that that tells you something right there that may- maybe their defense is elite enough to where their offense, as long as the offense is just below average consistently, uh, they can uh, take that next step. Because, you know, th- this program certainly, I would argue, has, has gotten over any any hump. It's just, to your point, trying to make that next step a deep run in March. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing sort of eluding um, uh, the, the Barnes era so far. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think I did like how they went inside a lot more last game. Because, to me, some of it is, when they're missing shots from the perimeter and they just keep taking them, it's almost kind of like a, a shooting team in denial sometimes. It's like, you know, hey, man, it, it just didn't fall and turn one down and get to the basket. I thought they made a conscious effort last game to be a more inside first, outside second type team. You said this during the broadcast, Dane, but who is Tennessee's best post player? Well, you know, look, Fulkerson can certainly be, be hot. And, but right now with Kamwa, I think you've got, you know, option A1 or 1A and then 1B, you know, and you can flip flop them. I, I, but right now, the reason I gave Kamwa the nod is just a lot of it was more of seeing how to start a game and to start the second half. Rick Barnes was trying to establish Kamwa down low. I mean, the first two plays of the first half, get it to Com- Olivier. First two plays of the second half, get it to Olivier. So it's more than just looking at the stat line. And, yeah, Fulkerson's making shots. I love him, big fan of him, all those things. But inside that coach's locker room, I mean, you can see who, who they feel like they got to establish a post presence with and down low who they have the most confidence with. Conwell's playing over 30 minutes a game the past, what, three, four games despite the foul trouble. Uh, other than the foul trouble the other night. And so, um, look, can, can my position change on that with some of the ebbs and flows of the season? Yeah, but um, to me right now, the, the the most confidence seems to lie within on the post play within Kamwan. He's just got a better feel down low than he has in the recent years. And by the way, when I say that, it's not a knock on Fulkerson no. or any other post player they got or Eurosh, but it's just yeah, it's nice to have more than one option. Um, but it would be interesting. I mean, we, I, I referenced the start of the first and second half. But what happens if it's the end of the game and who you call them to play for? I don't know that we've seen that answer yet, but I would tend to think if you're trying to get a low post bucket, you know, based on what I've seen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they threw it off for a combo down low. Hey, Dane, it's it's Ben. I wanted to ask you about, Tennessee's offense kind of compared to some other offenses in the league. Uh, one gripe amongst Tennessee fans and in, in terms of getting over that hump that you mentioned uh, in March is also kind of getting over the hump against Alabama and Auburn and LSU and, and Arkansas. Those teams have kind of had Tennessee's number for, for the most part when Rick Barnes, while Rick Barnes has, has been at Tennessee, what is kind of the difference in, in offense that, that those teams run compared to kind of what Rick does? And, I mean, do you look at Rick's offense as needing to evolve 
to this new age style of of offense of of getting up and down the floor, or do you think it's more of an execution uh, issue for Tennessee? I, I do think philosophically, you know, and that there are you know just some bad matchups uh, across the league and college basketball for your certain style of play. Um, and, and I think you know LSU, for example, with with their with their switching and, and well, for this year, um, with the way they switch and they defend, uh, that made it tough. But again, you know, you go on the road, you, you make it a competitive game at the end, um, so it's not the end of the world. But I, I do think there's some matchups out there that just seem to bother Tennessee's offense. Um, and, and if I had to point to one thing, it would be less about the other team's offense and more about how teams are able to take Tennessee away out, of, uh, take Tennessee out of their stuff which is a lot of passing, cutting. We've talked about before on this show. Tennessee is at their best when, you know, 60 to 70% of their makes are off assisted passes. I mean, when they're cutting and moving and sharing the ball, it's a thing of beauty. But some of those teams are able to take Tennessee out of their stuff and force Tennessee to kind of be a one-on-one playmaking team. And if you look at Tennessee's roster right now, how many guys do you say, all right, if it's winding down the shot clock and we're not – and they're denying reversals, who can just break the defense down? You know, you, you kind of got to think about it for a second. Yeah, Viscovi can get in the lane. You know, is he a, is he a lead at that? I, I don't know that that's his niche. He's capable. Uh, Chandler certainly has that uh, elite speed, but he's still trying to figure out things with, with Rick Barnes and what he wants. Um, and so I, I think that's where teams can give Tennessee problems on the offensive end is where uh, they just – Force Tennessee not to be able to run their motion type type sets, and, and that bothers them. But in terms of evolving, we've seen it this year. They've they're, they're shooting more threes um, and less mid range. I think some of that's personnel, and some of it is is is, is evolving. Um, but again, I think last game we saw a little bit more of a um, conscious effort to say, "Hey, wait a minute." We're falling in love with this three-point shot a little bit too much, and it's not that big of an advantage for us. I mean, they're shooting 32% from three on the year, and their three-point defense is 32%. So you're not getting, like, some huge advantage from the, from the three-point line right now. Dane Bradshaw here in the Swain event. Dane Bradshaw, uh, the best, the best color uh, in the world of sports. Just just go ahead and <laughs> mark that down. Uh, Dane what what are some things that stand out to you in a positive way about about this basketball team, you know, this year? Because uh, I look at it as um, there are some non-negotiables with with coaches, basketball coaches, and I think some people think that oh, you just man neglect. Yeah, defense is good, but man, we got to neglect defense. And just worry about offense, man. What does it matter? Like I think people think that that guys should be playing that are not that that are not playing, um, and they're just totally dismissing how. You know, intensity, defense, effort matters. Um, you've been around this league uh, as a as a as an analyst. You talk to other coaches. You have played for um, Bruce Pearl. What are some of those non negotiables about earning playing time? And then also, what are some of the positive things you're seeing with this Tennessee basketball team? Yeah, I think you know, especially for Rick Barnes, it's it's the defense, the energy, the communication. I mean, that's where it starts. He, he's got some tough minded teams then. And uh, we talked about it on the broadcast how uh, Tennessee really used Frank Martin, South Carolina's defensive team, as a blueprint. Uh, and when we asked Frank Martin about it, he was flattered. 
but he said, hey, look, I coached against Rick in the Big 12 when Frank was at Big uh, at Kansas State, Rick was at Texas. He said, those teams were always tough as nails defensively. So he goes, well, maybe we were a good example in the league for his new young team to, to look at, but th- this is nothing new for Rick Barnes. And so um, I-, I thought that was interesting, just knowing some of those non-negotiables for, for Barnes. But uh, look, and I-, I get it because when you're following your home team, everything's under a microscope. You tend to focus on what, what you can't do instead of what you can do type stuff. Mm-hmm. But think about that ugly loss to Texas Tech. Texas Tech just beat Baylor, the number one team in the country, with that same type of stifling defense that, like, you know, that that's really made the Red Raiders competitive. They're uh, they're a top fifteen. They'll be a top ten team in the country. And you look at that, and you say, "Gosh, Tennessee could have even just, you know, lucked up and made one or two shots." They've got that on their resume. They've shown they can beat Arizona. All of their losses um, have been away from home to top twenty-five opponents and even yeah they, they've had some ugly wins well you know what that that's not a bad thing and so uh but again last year you, you look at last year's team which was built a lot differently but the concern is you didn't really know what you were going to get game in game out you felt like you knew what you were going to get defensively but offensively you're like all right where are they going to go mm-hmm. you know and and this year even though they're built differently and, and and a little bit different strategically with the threes, less mid-range. That's the concern is you don't really know what you're going to get game in, game out. Uh, but that concern is mitigated some by their uh, elite defense they're showing. Dane, being around Tennessee the last couple of days, I don't know how much time you got to spend with them or how much practice you got to watch before calling the game on Tuesday night. But uh, did you get the sense that Kennedy Chandler is is kind of – nearing taking that next step you you mentioned that he's still trying to figure some things out and I I think we can certainly see that on the floor that he's trying to take it to that next level do you get the sense that maybe he's close to doing so Uh, honestly um not not yet I don't and that that doesn't mean that that he won't get there but I think they're what four games into conference play you know that's a lot to learn and league play um, in a short amount of time. So I don't think that light is going to come on that quickly. And and you still saw him coming in and out of the game some for, for Ziegler or things Barnes was, was upset about last game. Um, by no means does that mean I, I've given up on him. I'm a huge Kennedy Chandler fan, and I know they were diving into the game film with him yesterday, not, not just with the team, but with Chandler individually. And so I, I think that, that next step – will come i i'd be lying if i said hey i see it coming right um but what can be interesting is we've seen this with other players where all of a sudden it's not just like evolving game by game little baby steps even though behind the scenes they're making those improvements sometimes they just have a big time game and all of a sudden the light is on for the rest of the season and so you do wonder on the big stage against kentucky on saturday where you're going to have to have your your best athletes on the court, is that one of those games where Rick Barnes is in the post game press conference and says, "Boy, number one really grew up tonight," yada yada, and and then they just take off from there. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's going to be this game or the next game, 
or early February. I don't know, but I, I can envision that happening. Uh, just hard to predict when. Dang, last question, man, before we get you out of here. Thank you so much for your time. Um, what is it going to take? to beat Kentucky, this year's Kentucky team. Tennessee has been successful against Kentucky. Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been really weird how Tennessee's had Kentucky's number since Rick Barnett has been here. This matchup doesn't seem as confident for some Tennessee fans, but what is it going to take for Tennessee to get this win? You mentioned the Texas Tech game. You mentioned Arizona game. So this team is more than capable of beating the top teams in the country. What is it going to take on Saturday? They've got to find a way to maybe not win on the interior, but just tie mm. and don't get dominated. Mm. Uh, Kentucky's got a kid, Oscar Shebway. He's the best round rebounder I've, I've ever seen in, in the league in college basketball. He's up there for player of the year, and he's not just a bull and a china shop guy. He's very graceful with it, and, and he's got a finesse yet power to his game. Really, really good big man. So um, he's averaging 15, 16 rebounds a game. So you got to do a couple things to, you know, one, who can maybe accept that challenge, keep him off the glass. But two, you know, go at him. I mean, Calipari's a coach like many that he's going to put their player on the bench if he gets two fouls in the first half. If you can get two fouls on him pretty quickly and do some design plays where you, where you try to get a hip check type thing or, or go at him in the post. Um, then, then he might be sitting for the next 15 minutes. So uh, that, that's where you you, you got to find a way. And, you know, Mara Pearl used to tell us when we were going up against a big man like Shibway, whoever Shibway's backup is, which is, uh, I don't know, I think a guy, Lance, you know, depending on who they play, Lance Ware. You probably hadn't heard of him, right? So he'd say, hey, it's, it's our five against their five. You know, and so how can you win that combined matchup as opposed to, saying, oh boy, David and Goliath, I don't know how we're going to do this. And, and that's, I think, one of the mindsets that Tennessee has to has to have is, all right, between Jurosh, uh, Fulkerson, uh, Kamwa, even Josiah James might get some of that on there. It's, hey, it, it's our bigs against their one big, and we can win that matchup collectively. I like that, man. I like it. Let's get him in foul trouble. Let's do it, man. That's what Alabama was able to do with Auburn's big man there. Um, so, Foul trouble. That's the that's that's I like see that see that's why we had you on, Dane. That's why you the best, man. I, that, that's why you the best, Dane. You the man. Everybody loves a good uh, foul trouble free throw uh, debate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, well, they, so, well, so, it's, so it's a big opportunity for the Vols. I think they got a good chance. But uh, Kentucky this year is a little bit different, though. They, they don't shoot a ton of threes, but they can make them. It's not like years past where you can just sag back and they're going to go, you know, one for twenty. So they're they're different. So, so when we get him in foul trouble, and then you know we in one on one, what what do we do about making those free throws? You got any answers there? <laughs> no, I mean that. Yeah, I got I got nothing. So that, that's where any of my expertise. You just look at my career uh, field goal and free throw percentage, and you'll you'll realize you need to find another guest. <laughs> we'll have to call Chris Lofton on that one, man. About shooting free throws, yeah. I guess. That's right. I'll, right. I'll give the assist to Lofton. <laughs> Hey, man, Dane, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take care, guys. Dane Bradshaw.